0: back to the film Alchemist podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined again by our friend and returning co-host, the bravest co-host, and I'll tell you why in a moment, (laughs) Carmelita Valdez-McCoy. Sorry, I was laughing at the thought. How are you doing, Carmelita? Welcome back.
1: I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me back.
0: I couldn't help but laugh because if you knew the amount of people I messaged and said, would you be willing to watch Rob Zombie's Halloween 1 and 2 again and talk with me, the amount of no, miss me, <laughs> replies, and you almost immediately said yes. So I, I appreciate that so much. <laughs> um, Yeah, guys, so before we dive into Rob Zombie's Field, right? Uh, Please take a second and leave the show a rating and review wherever you find us, especially if that's Apple podcast app. That helps us out enormously. We appreciate those of you that are doing it. We see you. We thank you. Uh, You can find us on all the social medias you're on. Please shout the show out there. Retweets, uh, stories on Instagram, all the cool kid stuff that I don't really know how to do, but I say out loud. Uh, So you get us get at us there. That's a great way to communicate with us. We love when you guys talk to us and reach out in that vein. You can email the show film alchemist pod at gmail.com you can send us your ideas for movies to cover themes guest hosts, all that awesome stuff uh in december we always stuff your stockings and we do fan pick movies so get at us early uh with your suggestions that would be great um and you can see our faces as well as hear our voices on our youtube channel the nerd alchemist nerd alchemist i don't think there's a the i don't know if youtube's that specific but nerd alchemist all right Guys, we are uh, nearing the end of our run here in Haddonfield on uh, this October Mega Medley Descent into the Horror Beasts. One horror movie every day. 31 horror movies in a row for October. Uh, We're right in the thick of it now, guys. Right in the middle. We thank you all for being with us. I know it's a lot of shows. I hope you guys are all still subscribed and you haven't canceled our asses for flooding you with shows. Um, Rob Zombie's Halloween is... Much more divisive than I thought it was. Very visceral reactions from people online. I've been kind of testing the waters. A lot more of them uh, extremely negative, which I, I did not quite remember it being that hostile towards this film. <laughs> I guess it is it is one of those, you take the, the iconic franchise and you add a lot of new flavor and vibe to it. I can see how that rubs people the wrong way. The way I look at these movies... Is of all of the Halloween movies that we were prepared to discuss, right? The ones I were mo- I was most excited to discuss. Halloween 3. Halloween Resurrection. And then the Rob Zombie Halloweens. And what I like about what Rob Zombie does, right? I like a sequel that by this point, I think this is the ninth Halloween film. He had stuff he still wanted to say. He had things he wanted to examine. Were they right? Was it the best rendition of the original? Is it better than the original? I'm not willing to say all that. But I think at the end of the day, what it is, is very interesting, right? And in sequels, change the lens to where I can see the the old in a newer light sometimes. And whether it works or doesn't, that adds a lot to the effect. So when I hit up Carmelita, you had never seen Rob Zombie's Halloween. And I didn't even ask you if you were a fan of the Halloween series. <laughs> So why don't you walk us through your initial takes cuz a lot of us have been fighting this war for a long time. This this uh Rob Zombie is a good filmmaker <laughs> war for a long time, right? The lines have been drawn. It's a bloody <laughs> bloody stalemate. Uh what what did you think diving uh head first into the deepest darkest end of the Halloween franchise?
1: This was an adventure.
0: <laughs> that should have been Let on the poster cuz that makes it sound like a playful romp.
1: This was an adventure. So I'm just gonna give you a, a little background to let you know where I'm where I'm coming in here. So I am a fan of Carpenter's Halloween and part two. Mm-hmm. And I did see the twenty eighteen Halloween. Yes. I dipped out though after number two the first time around.
0: So you're pretty much all, unacquainted with all of the, the middle the middle section. The right. chasing of the niece, the uh right. Paul Rudding, the Druids.
1: Nope.
0: Yeah, not going to the prep school to get Lore. <laughs> so you missed a lot of stuff. I didn't go a lot of people would argue not great stuff. I really Okay, so let me do this. This is always a good litmus test. If okay. you were to rank the big three, Friday the thirteenth, Nightmare on Elm Street and Halloween, where does Halloween fall for you? Probably low since you' only saw
1: the first two well you know that's the funny thing right because because i tapped out early it's pristine in my mind it
0: holds its mystique right you never got a freddy's dead
1: (laughs) so so and and halloween has a special place in my heart i saw carpenter's halloween way too young i did not go trick-or-treating in 1983 because i had watched halloween and i was so scared that i would not go trick-or-treating that year so you know so i love it and i tapped out and missed a big chunk of the sequels and and i was just blissful in that little space so coming into this i knew
0: you came back you came back to your favorite resort and someone had spray painted the walls there's (laughs) demonic teenagers smoking <laughs> cigarettes in your living room
1: <laughs> yeah but you know i and and typically i have the tendency to be a purist i'm usually pretty down on remakes reboots any okay
0: that. now see that's something i lost i think it was around the time when my kids were born right because you start re-watching old movies that you loved with your right? kids or not even movies you love but like my kids were like oh, oh. i want to watch clash of the titans i'm like the old one that i love he's like no, the one with the big cartoon monsters. And you're like, that movie sucks. And then you watch, you're like, I get it now. I see my kids loving. And you're like, I get it. So like, I think when you have kids, you start getting soft around the edges, right? Because I feel like what I look for now in sequels and remakes is like, I'm, I just want to think about it differently, right? That's what I always... And that's the thing. I don't know where you fall on this, right? Because the way I imagine this movie to be is if you can... It would be the equivalent of, like, every time you went to your favorite coffee shop, right? What mm-hmm. if the barista is like, but I am going to rub this sandpaper on your face for 30 seconds before you can order your drink, right? That's kind of how this movie feels at time. It's like, yeah, you're giving me exactly what I like. It feels like my happy place. But, oh, my God, if Ronnie talks again. <laughs> <laughs> but I think this is the thing I like about it, though, right? Compared to the other sequels, this felt like a love letter to Halloween. And I, one of yes. the things is that people are like, it shits all over the original and blah, blah. I think it's he's the most loving of the original, right? He loves this shit. And he had yes. all these other things he wanted to look at. And, yes, he changes Loomis a lot. And, you know, there are all these things that somewhat change. But I thought that was the best stuff, right? Because there there's a part at the end of the movie where – Lori's running around the house, right? Like I got a, uh I'm calling in the walls, blah, blah, blah. And I was just tuned out. I was like, of all the interesting things I've seen and this movie's two hours inexplicably, right? Like no need for that. It is, you know, cause they do like the 50 minute, like childhood prequel. <laughs> and you're like, Oh, we'll ah. talk about that. Yeah. So you're like, all right. But I, I find Rob zombies had field and Halloween universe. Fascinating. Right. Cause I, and I get it. Like a lot of the people who really like it, they like it. Cause it is easily the most brutal Yeah, Halloween it's movie. Dark. A lot of times to the point that I'm what, like in a meta sense, it makes me uncomfortable to be a horror movie fan. Right. <laughs> but I like it because I think it's fascinating. It's like talking with your best friend and really, really digging deep into what is this story about? What is Michael Myers? about, And I, I find it fascinating, right? And that's, to me, that's the number one best thing a movie can be, is interesting, right? Yeah. So where would you like to start? What What do you want to, di- you want to just dive in on the childhood? This is the well, new, you know, the new stuff.
1: I, I'm going to, before we do that, I'm going to say, I am with you. I went into this, I tried to keep my mind clean, <laughs> I tried to go into this without any preconceived anything and i knew we were going to talk about it and i was just like don't be a little bitch watch (laughs) this and don't don't harp on how it's different or the same or whatever just go into it clean (laughs) which i was able to do and it is fascinating (laughs) and i found myself really enjoying the places that he took this to
0: right (laughs) yeah so and Okay, right off
1: the bat, with this whole prequel thing, with this whole yes. the making of Michael Myers. Yes. It's fascinating.
0: Now, this to me is, I I love this part. And there is a small portion of me that wonders what this movie looks like if they never bring him back into the future, right? mm so for me, I would almost, if I were to do like a fan edit of this movie, which I don't really endorse on this show, right? Like watch the art as they made it. Take what you can, right? Don't just be like, oh, I could do it better, you know, because I watched it one time, right? Rob Zombley would probably watched this movie 600 times, right? Yeah. But there is a world of this movie where I could end at his mother's suicide
1: mm.
0: and go right to Laurie Strode and the dead babysitter in that basement. Right, where Michael is now at his emotional crossroads of this movie, which sounds weird to say. It's probably the only Halloween movie where, like, Michael's in a bit of an emotional tumult, right? Like, that's something that never has existed because it's so okay. So, yeah, let's talk about (laughs) because I think this is the big like rub of the movie, right? Is Halloween one became a masterpiece and a classic, not for a lot of reasons. Right. But I think what it became universal to people is this is where you lived, right? This isn't a spooky camp. You didn't do anything Mm -hmm. wrong. This was just what if a Norman Rockwell painting uh, started killing each other, right? This is just a boy that for no reason, we never get an explanation. He may or may not have known his sister got the world's shortest sex. Like that guy must've busted in like one second, (laughs) which I already went over in Halloween one. I know I've labored that point, but I think it's a seminal moment—a <laughs> seminal moment. Yeah, it's it's a very important seminal moment in the very first movie, and because uh, it's so fucking fast, it is. And then he runs out, and this little idyllic boy is revealed. Right, that's all we fucking know. And in that moment, it's I have a kid, my kid trick or treats, my teenager's gonna fuck someday, you know. All of these fears, right, this this castle up on a little b- mini hill right in the dark. You don't see any neighbor's houses like we have our own land or we've achieved the dream. And now our dream is full of slaughters, right? It's a nightmare. Mm-hmm. That is something that is universally scary to all of us. It taps into all of us. Right. I have two kids and every now and again, like today, my kid, uh, you know, he was like mad at his mom and me. He's two. He's not even three. and He goes, I hate you to his mom and we're just like what the fuck like where did he even learn that yeah we're like where did you hear that like we don't talk like that we don't say we hate each other right and he goes the dog said it and i looked at amy i'm like that's serial killer shit and so then you're like what if like my kid was a michael myers right so like this is a universal fear in rob zombies halloween this Haddonfield is like the rundown Haddonfield. like this reminds me like we were Haddonfield. we had like a you know a factory come in and we all had great middle-class jobs in the 50s and that factory closed down and meth came in and you know like that classic vice news story like everything went wrong so when you watch this movie I would imagine that most audiences see nothing resembling their home life the way they imagine most families live or the American dream in this Myers household right this is a a house of horrors, a true house of horrors, before yeah. the first murder.
1: <laughs> no, most definitely. So, I think what I what I really enjoy about this is that so Carpenter's Halloween, that aspect of Michael Myers that that there is no rhyme or reason, that there is no precipitating event, that we don't know what the motive is. Is what's perfect about that?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I love that. And Rob Zombie's choice to do this differently doesn't take away from that. I'm able no. to completely separate mm-hmm. the two. And in this movie, I think what i what I loved about this was you you get this snapshot of a neglected, abused kid, a lonely kid with hardly anyone in his corner, just this awful home life. And, right, a lot of people don't relate to that.
0: Yeah, and th- and thankfully well, so, right? Yes. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm glad that yeah. people's home lives rarely resemble Rob Zombie movies.
1: <laughs> but what I love about this is that we we start to connect with him at that point, and the, the casting of young Michael Myers is really good, because that kid has those big mm-hmm. – blue eyes but he also looks red- like he
0: hasn't he- slept ever right yeah he's got a real yeah. like ghastly thing about him yeah
1: he does and it's i love that we we start sympathizing with him mm-hmm. and that's going to set up the viewer for this really uncomfortable thing we're not scared of him because we don't know why he is the way he is it's kind of scary when you start to sympathize with him because you yeah. know what he's going to become yeah you know he's capable of and you find yourself i found myself anyway like you feel for this kid when he takes that bully in the in the woods it's this roller coaster of emotions like the bully like what goes around comes around (laughs) yeah i don't feel bad for you and then when the bully's like crying and he's clearly scared out of his wits and he is begging for his life then you have that like it like jolts you out of that revenge fantasy, and you go, Oh, wait, no, this is not.
0: Yeah.
1: And so you have those, those like roller coaster moments of, I sympathize. I see how this happened to this kid. And I think later on, Loomis mentions that Michael Myers was this perfect storm, this perfect blend of internal and external factors. Yes. And I think they did a great job of illustrating that. And I think, too, one of the things about this Halloween is that it's coming out in 2007. At that point, you've got a couple of decades of true crime mania Mm
0: -hmm.
1: in the media. You have a more widespread, maybe not understanding, but a more widespread... Acknowledgement that there are Personality disorders that cause You know it's not just this unnamed Evil Right. <laughs> we have like a, yeah. a More of a mainstream understanding That there are people with personality disorders And that They can be capable In some cases of these extreme Acts of violence You have in the eighty, late 80s and 90s you had the media Covering cases of child Murderers mm-hmm kids mm-hmm. that killed other kids kids yeah. that attacked adults so i think that you know by the time this comes out in 2007 there is a story to tell about what does it look like right. to see this killer in the making well, and it and it works
0: yes and it, it somewhat kind of goes at one of the core foundations of halloween which is it's a little bit naive, and the the movie plays a little bit like a folk tale, right? Of the the kid who's actually just an empty vessel, right? Like this this yeah. empty changeling or whatever amongst us, right? He looks like one of us, but he's not. Uh, he has no soul. It, it kind of plays in this folklore, you know, fable kind of way. And by the time this movie comes out, like you said, we have enough knowledge to know that almost no serial killer that i've ever read about or learned about right i think maybe there are a couple right that you know had pretty good home life since now almost all of them though have these kind of red flag moments right the mm-hmm. shame when they're developing their sexuality bedwetting animal mutilations right and you see a lot of that in michael right and so i think it gets back to this michael myers as just that that shape right the the pod of a human that was the kid you loved and then someday the lights go off and he starts murdering right that is scary in the same way that oh there's a monster under my bed scary it's a magical scary this is we all know people that you know have been abused by parents or things like like you see these these things and you you worry about kids like you see kids that were going through it when you were in school and this is getting to that logical extent where it's very strange to see Michael Myers as a borderline defenseless victim, right? I mean, he does mutilate that fucking rat like immediately, really right? And you're yeah. like, that's not good. But then he comes down as being a nice brother. He's talking to his mom, nice. And this guy, this terrible, terrible person who will do a segment on Ronnie before you know, it, uh, is just laying into him, and that's his fucking life. This guy just. On him, on him, his sister, on him, on him. He goes to school and he gets attacked. But I would argue to people, right, the way that John Carpenter did the same thing, Michael Myers is walking amongst your streets, through your house, killing your children. This movie accomplishes that to me in an also interesting way, which is you see the fight in the bathroom, and that's pretty normal kid shit. I remember that, like, pretending to be tough. Like, you got you and your buddies, like, yeah, maybe we'll, you know, get in a fight on the playground. Or, like, meet me after lunch, we're going to fight. Like, we all remember those, like, hallmark moments, like, oh, God. Yeah. You know, and that's the difference, right? So you see this go down. And when Michael runs out of that principal's office, right, and you see the kid, he's spitting in another kid's hat that's defenseless. I mean, it's a shitty bully move, but it falls within the boundaries of normal human child behavior, right? This is probably another kid who has his own problems. His dad's telling him about the titty bar and shit. We, <laughs> so, like, he yeah. probably already has his own issues. Right? Maybe he was abused. This is kind of a Jonathan Bender setup, right? From uh, Breakfast Club. Yeah. When they get to those woods, though, and Michael puts the mask on and attacks him, we are shown right there in that moment the snap, right? Because, you know, killing animals, you could make all these. That's bad, too. But, you know, we kill animals to eat every day, blah, blah, blah. This is a boy who now puts this mask on, and he feels separated from us, from humanity. And you see the bully, the kid that was beating him up and torturing these other kids, reduced to no longer play-acting and true childlike fear crying out in help. Yeah. And you all of a sudden realize, oh my fucking God, I am watching a child murder another child. And it is horrifying in a way that I really don't think even that opening of the original Halloween captures. There is something... So demented in that moment of Michael lifting the mask to smile, right? So that it is yeah. somewhat bleeding into his human side that he's getting titillated by it. And just watching that boy, that child, the more there's blood on his face and his wild hair is going about, you're like, that looks like a fucking kid now. Yeah. Now he's not talking tough. He's just a little kid. And when he goes limp and Michael's standing over him, it is a true. That is one of those truly horrifying taboos that we still don't accept of the this fucking kid is just now a murderer, right? And I think laying the groundwork for that is more interesting to me, right? And I'm all for magical thought and magical whore, too. Yeah. But I think this is the thing, man. We've had that movie so many times, right? You know, by part two, he's a superhuman. Uh, by part four and five, he's coming for his family line and there's black shadowy figures. And by part six, it's it's a cult of druids. Then there's always a Michael Meyer, a Thorn running around. And it gets mm-hmm. fucking absurd and it's insane in its magicalness, right? This is and this gets back to that broken Haddonfield idea, right? Like there are just places and people and, you know, the world just takes too much out of you. And what happens yeah. when the lights go out? And I think layering that onto because I know a lot of people probably don't like the kid Michael and in the institution stuff, that is some of my favorite shit. Cause when Michael yeah. reverts back to his like protective shell of I'm just Michael Myers. What's blah, blah, blah. and then you see that slip until the lights all the way go off. I just I find this section of the movie so fascinating. It is among my favorite stuff in the film. Uh, what did you make of this? Michael's finally breaking bad.
1: I really like the whole sequence, and I I like that we got to see McDowell's Loomis meeting with Michael. We get to see the little bit of rapport that they're building. Yes, I like that we get to see these kind of flashes of Michael connecting with someone even just this little bit Mm -hmm. because those little those little flickers of this kid can still connect with people as those start to dim and it gets to oh he hasn't spoken in two weeks oh he's not responding at all anymore you get that gradual decline Mm -hmm. and then so when he finally snaps and just completely goes off the rails is no longer connected it's even more like, oh shit.
0: Yeah. Like
1: now now we're really in
0: it. <laughs> well, that's wild and, too, and we because to see how that happened. Yeah. And see, I, I love that part. Cause him walking through the house and killing everyone, he's fucking intense and brutal, right? That's how Rob Zombie sets his or The the drunk being tied to the chair and his throat slice. That will haunt me forever. I've never reclined in a chair since seeing that movie and been like <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. You know what I mean? Like, I fall asleep in recliners a lot. Like, oh boy. Uh, the kid just getting his fucking skull brained in, right? Yeah. And the, you know, kid in the, the Halloween costume, and he was just sitting there playing with his candy, and then like, it's go time. Shh. Yeah. That all is you know, horrifying, but in a different manner to me.
1: This is the cool thing, and it's a through line that starts in this film And they pick it up again in in two when we get there. Mm -hmm. But I love that when his mother is getting ready to go to work and she says to him, I know that's been bad this week, but starting tomorrow, it's going to be better. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Michael that night after his sister blows him off to screw her boyfriend and Ronnie's on the couch talking shit as always, and he has to go out by himself. Yes, It's like he realizes like the only way tomorrow is going to be better if my family is just me, my mom, and Boo.
0: I will say we we talked a lot about the horrifying things in this opening. It happens twice where you're watching some horrific scene of family emotional abuse or even domestic abuse, yeah. right? Like physical abuse. And all of a sudden, you'll just hear the baby start screaming. So when yes. mom goes to work and you're like, that baby's left alone in the house with these fucking people. And it is so like, it actually just turned my blood cold. I was like, Oh, right. <laughs> That's
1: just as scary. That's just as scary. Like that
0: kid. As yeah. That soul. baby's just surviving in this world. Right. And then the murders are all happening with that baby. And now that, that is an extra thing. Like, even when he's yelling it, you know, uh, when Ronnie's doing his bits and he like smashes all the shit off the table, when you hear the baby start crying, you're like, Oh, fuck. Oh, my God. Like, Michael is young and innocent and you feel for him. But you're like, he's going to murder. I know he's going to murder, right? It's kind of the trick the movie has to play is you can't do the Halloween one opening because we're not shocked anymore. We know he's going to be the giant murder guy. We get it. And that baby is like one of those stark reminders of, (laughs) woo! this is an even worse household situation than you're imagining. But, no, absolutely. Yeah, but see, that's what I like, is it? Rob Zombie finds these little moments. And that's thing. I think he gets so much flack. And I understand from, like, a certain uh, way people like to watch horror movies, right? Some people aren't into the slashers. And some of this is bordering on, you know, somewhat torture porn. Yeah. I.e. the Annie scene, right? Uh, just not comfortable to watch at times. But I think people do not give him credit because of all of the abrasiveness. Like I was telling you before we started. the dialogue in this film is so fucking abrasive and so hard to sit through, right? And then the brutality is so fucking abrasive. But I think it's conditioning us, right? It's it's this is what that kid lived in. Like no wonder he yeah. went a little bit fucking crazy. Well, a lot of bit fucking crazy, I guess I would say. But I think that that sadly, right, that prickly exterior has kept people from some of these really cool human touches that were added to this faceless... I mean, in the first one, he's literally referred to as the shape, right? And by the time you get to, like, four, five, six, whatever, he's just a Jason Voorhees knockoff, right? So he lost something, right? This brings back this extra touch, which I think makes this movie sale to me. Like, there's a really weird scene in the opening when... He goes into his sister's room, right? I kill her boyfriend. I go back upstairs, and when he touches her legs,
1: oh. very
0: gently, right? And yeah. I was like, "Is this an edible complex thing? Is this maybe he wishes him and his sister had a bond, right?" It's unnerving. It's a little ancestral. You're like, yeah. "What is go?" But that's one of those moments. Like I focus on that more than like her running down the hall getting stabbed. That's a really weird choice to add in the moment right there and I didn't know quite what to make it I don't know if you got a read on that
1: yeah that that was one of those scenes where I was I was like kind of on edge and he t- you know and because it's Rob Zombie as he's kind of touching her leg I thought oh god please Please don't have it be anything more than just touching her leg, please.
0: Rob is please. one I that can't. you don't you don't give him the benefit of the doubt that he's going to show you something you don't want to see.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I was a little like, "Oh. So we didn't go there. So yeah, it it's a moment that reads so many different ways depending I mean, you can project onto it. I think that's what's cool about this is that yes, we're getting all of this backstory of his family life and some insight but there are moments that are still baffling. Why yeah. does he do that?
0: Well, because I was like, is it he sees maybe she's breaking the way his mom did, right? Because he had seen the ad of his mother. I thought right. that was a cool addition, like him having to confront that. Like, Because the only warm spot in this opening is Michael and his mother seem to have a genuine loving bond, Right. And Michael is bonded to Boo because she's a baby, right? So there is this small little unit that you're like, they could, if they got out, like maybe, just maybe. Oh, wait, Michael's already murdering things like animals and shit. So probably not going to go well. It's
1: too late. Maybe at some point it wouldn't have been. But But you're like, they they
0: have a very sweet and tender relationship. And to see that that's, you know, mom has to make money and, you know, everyone's judging her for that. That's weaponized against him, right? His mom's doing what she can to provide for him. That's weaponized against him, right? Uh, The fact that the mom just lets Ronnie exist in that house is a lot of red flags, right? Like, you love this kid so much. Mm -hmm. Why are you doing that? Um, All the way through her with him at, um, you know, the sanitarium. I just like these little personal. And so to me, I was like, is he seeing his sister... As the, you could be like mom, but you have also gone down this bad path. Is this like the, you know, anti-sex moment? Or is this, maybe he's so in love with his mom. There is this moment of, and you know, maybe, maybe it's all of that, right? This kid's brain is obviously scrambled at this point, (laughs) but I love those moments. That small, small moment adds a lot to me, man. Like I've already seen all the fucking murders. I need Michael Myers to commit for my whole life. I'll take more. They're fucking yeah, but. fun, but that leg touch haunted the shit out of me. I'm still like when I think about it, right? Yeah. Like it's still freaking yeah. me out.
1: It gives you the creeps, and you're just kind of like, I don't know exactly what that means, but I know that it's not good.
0: Yes, yeah. I I don't know. And Michael has Polaroids. So you're like, what is this? It's a it's a horrifying series of events, right? And then I think so. You pair that. But yeah, there's like weird scenes where like the cherries on the cars are going, but the cops are frozen, and Michael looks at us before we go to the sanitarium, right? So there's like, I love that. Yeah, that's a really cool moment, right? Like uh, he is so separated from us at this point; he's gone, right? But then he's Mm -hmm. brought back immediately. He's having like an orange juice and shit, and he's talking to his buddy, you know, with the funny voice. Uh, This segment I love, right? Uh, Watching his mom trying hard because you're like, what is her life looking like right now? What's her day to day? And a she's nightmare. trying so hard to keep him with us on this plane of existence, right? And to watch it, But that final attack, right, where he stabs the nurse and she's bleeding out, mm-hmm. I found that doubly fascinating because I like the fact that it was her making a comment about Boo, who we'd already seen him take the mask off and essentially almost act as if he hadn't done it or he was telling Boo he had made her life better, right? He was going to give her right. what he did not have right that his parents were unable to give him right i took him out for you you'll be fine which he may have been right until he came back right and then uh so that scene of her boo is the trigger right like boo couldn't be related to someone like you after maybe he had done part of that for her benefit i thought that was a cool trigger moment but when uh they come in and michael turns around and is just roaring with anger and you see his mom collapse and just stare into the face this little sweet voiced boy that she loves so much and fought with the principal and gave him the benefit of the doubt she fucking finally sees behind the mask she sees her true son that was just a fucking a plus moment to me
1: oh yeah most definitely when you can just imagine like she was literally out of the room
0: for like
1: 30 seconds yeah they had, they had just barely made it down the hall to the elevator. Like, you know, when that the massacre at the family home, you know, she's been at work for hours. You know, I, I would imagine, this is me speculating, but I would imagine like you come home to something like that and there's a part of your brain that doesn't really connect like how that happened in that span of time. Oh, I mean, it has to be Before the most surreal, be, right? Yeah.
0: You would be immediately she, overwhelmed and then just shut down like what the for fuck sure. is happening <laughs>
1: yeah for it to be literally 30 seconds you literally just left the room and this is what you come back yeah, she's to probably like, like i gotta go yeah. to the
0: grocery store i gotta oh my god and then that was one of those but see that and then her going home and taking her own life right i thought that was just a really really interesting series of events right and it gets back to the thing that i loved about michael myers is that originally it wasn't as magical right you look back now and you're like there's definitely somewhat of magical thinking in that film but it was it was just the the kid who had gone bad and you know your kid could do that he came back right it's halloween he's got something with halloween i like the adding back the human right and i think it's so weird that the way people talk about rob zombie they fucking throw out especially in part two right they just throw out the human elements that he finds in that film and act like it is this torture porn exercise and i just don't see it that way it is no, it's there it's there. fucking brutal to watch but i think a lot of what this movie is is right it's the classic uh you know us paying for the sin of the monsters we create and I mm-hmm. think there is something that is really fun to explore that way, right? If you want Superman, Michael Myers, we have a bunch of those movies, right? Oh, yeah. Why would Rob Zombie just re... It's like when uh, Gus Van Zandt remade Psycho shot for shot. Like, what is the value of that? Do something different. There's and I think none. Right, but that's what I mean. Now people would be like, well, Rob Zombie did it and people got mad at him because of white horses. And you're like, to me, that is as memorable as almost anything in this series, right? So I I think this opening part of the movie is so well done and so fascinating while shockingly abrasive and hard to sit through at times. Uh, That is what Rob Zombie at his peak of Halloween does. I think when we cut 15 years later and we watch him essentially start to remake the beats of Halloween 1 is where the movie slips a bit for me, right?
1: Mm.
0: This is the part I didn't latch on to because now we see Rob Zombie trying to get back to that. Now we're on the right side of the tracks part of town, but it still always feels wrong. It feels <laughs> false. You know what I mean? It feels right. like I'm trying to think of a good way to explain. It, it reminds me there's this I think it's this documentary called the Queen of Versailles or something. Right. Super rich Florida people came into new money and they're just like trashy about it right they're building this biggest mansion ever because they wanted it it's really good documentary Mm -hmm. it's really it's one of those sad you're like why am i enjoying this though it makes you feel bad about yourself for liking it but it reminded me of that right like these are people playing at the american dream but everything feels false and wrong right whereas part the opening while not hopefully identifiable with most of us feels real right there's like Mm -hmm. a guttural nastiness to this opening right it feels like a real house of sadness nothing in this next part worked for me in a a lot of like the establishing of the world and characters
1: right as you're saying that it makes me think that that works on a different level in that once we've seen how society has failed a segment of the population it is True. kind of fake yeah it is kind of fake and kind of wrong yeah that there's I mean, it's another a good point the we literally meet
0: laurie when her dad's like hey go drop these papers off at the house where your family got fucking murdered yeah so we can sell this fucking place right so <laughs> like a family's I... coming to look at that house that is a brushed over oh. detail where he's like a family wants to see the <laughs> michael myers fucking murder home that we have not bulldozed that's wild. And her dad's like, walk over there and drop the papers. Right. <laughs> we right. we actually did forget, though, there is a giant section of the movie I just completely glossed over, which is uh, now Michael Myers is a seven foot tall behemoth, like an actual oh, wow. hulking monster, which I was like, that is such a good choice in this film. It is. Because just seeing him on screen makes him so much fucking scarier. Than any version of Michael Myers we ever seen. So you're like, yeah, that guy could kill them without fighting training,
1: right? Yeah, he's only he's been huge. doing
0: paper mache for years, but he's and, gigantic.
1: <laughs> and it works. You know those moments where he doesn't have the mask on, just his hair mm-hmm. in his face, but because of his size, it's still imposing.
0: Oh yeah. Well, I love that segment, too, because now we're getting again to he's being re-victimized by this new security Mm -hmm. guard who, again, this movie crams in two of the worst, most despicable horror movie characters I've ever seen right off the bat. Right. So that guy and them are coming to commit rape. He goes in and he's already right. We see the nice like Danny Trejo's like, hey, man, just don't start. None won't be none. I'll be good to you. I love that bit. And he's actually the one, right? And he actually is going to come back he into my thoughts him. on part two where he's like, hey, Mikey, like I did time too. And he reformed himself, right? He's a, he's a guy who did bad who's now good. And he's like, go inside yourself, right? There's no walls yeah. in there. There's no walls in there. And you're like, oh, my God, you created this fucking murder machine. Like, you did that. And, again, I think part of the unraveling of that is what part two is about. Yeah. But – To see that and then it sets Michael up as even if you are kind to him and decent, you're done. Which is strange because Michael's sitting there not concerned with the rape or the violation of his room or anything – or violation in his room, right, of that act. Right. But when they start fucking smacking his mask around. It's over. That's when he's like, okay, now you're fucking going to get murdered. And he kills a lot of fucking people. But the Danny Trejo one – that's another one of those. I love that little personal touch, that personal moment. And that was gut-wrenching. so you're like, just walk away. Walk away before the TV. Show a little it of that. Rob Zombie showing us there was a man under that mask. Nope. Smashed. It broke
1: my heart. The well, you know what I like? What I like leading up to this is like, you know, so he does have this little bit, some kind of a connection with Danny Trejo's character however minuscule whatever a little thread it is and he had this little thread of a connection with Loomis his mother's dead and gone so she doesn't come to visit anymore then Loomis tells him I can't work with you anymore yeah and then I wonder did he overhear Danny Trejo's character saying he was retiring in three months Mm,
0: that could be that could be I I wondered wondered. if it was just the uh, because it is weird it's like The timing of it is fascinating, right? That this guy does that. And I think there is that moment where when he gets out in the hallway and Danny's thinking about putting the handcuffs on him, right? Mm Because one, you're like, this guy's so good, he actually cares to get Michael back in there, right? If Michael doesn't go in that cell, they're going to shoot him and kill him, right? Like, I can reach this boy, right? I have raised this kid, essentially. Because you're like, just fucking run. If you see that Hulk, run! Like, he's covered in... Get the fuck out of there. You're retiring in three weeks. (laughs) What are you doing? But he reaches out, right? And I wondered in that moment if there was a small part of Michael that's like, I've got my mask. I've got my infinite abyss of the brain, right? Like, I'm I'm cool to go back in. This guy's always been nice to me. And that was kind of the test case for, oh, my God, I can do whatever I want. Like, I can get out of here. Because we've never seen fully unleashed michael as an adult since he's gone through this transformation so it's it felt a little testing out which almost makes it like yeah like a like when those orca fucking smack the seals up in the air to like liquefy their bodies and they're just playing yeah. with you like, but yeah that was that was a heartbreaker so again another great personal touch i like at the sanitarium before we kind of rip all the heart out of the movie which is funny because I think in part two, Lori Strode really fucking pulls through, right? Like really mm-hmm. fucking good in part two. Uh, what did you think of this somewhat? It's not Van Zandt remake of of uh, Carpenter's Halloween, but there's a lot of those classic moments, right? Like a scene that made me laugh is when Lori's coming home to fix Mr. Boner or whatever the skeleton is. Mm-hmm. And Michael Myers is following behind her. And I was like, I know they did that in the first one. I know it's Halloween and it's been a long time since those murders, but I'm like that mask on a seven foot tall satanic mechanic. No, no, that guy can't walk through your streets. Like, come on. right? So what did, what did you take from this part? Were there things that worked well for you in this part? Right? Cause in carpenters, this is where we see that Lori is the good girl, She's a bit mm-hmm. of our, she's kind of setting up a lot of what become final girl tropes, right? Yeah. Throughout, right. She's the good girl. She's responsible. She takes care of things. Uh, you know, she does smoke a little weed. And once Ben Tramer, this yeah, story is a, a little same. looser version of that, but still like pretty together. What did you make of the, uh, the setting up of this hat and field?
1: You know, I, I think you put it really well in the beginning, this idea of, this being a love letter to Halloween. And so I kind of got that feeling from it. Yeah. Yeah. It's borrowing a lot of imagery and there's a lot of similarities to the original in this section. It's a little updated. Mm -hmm. Um, I was okay. It can't just be me. I was a little weirded out by the bagel, the bagel joke.
0: Okay, mom? so that is,
1: what the fuck is, that?
0: that's exactly my point, right? Is that <laughs> that is one of those moments where the the Rob zombie-ness is too much. Where it's like, she yeah. is our, and I was like, maybe teenagers make that joke with each other once they get to school. I don't care who, none of my parents would have been like, hey, this bagel looks like a pussy. Watch me like go down on it. Like that's just not a thing. Nope. That, and this is supposedly in Illinois. I grew up in Indiana. It's like, and they obviously the mom was still bothered by it later, right? So this would have been yeah. something. But it's it's just like, ooh, daddy. daddy. Ooh, ooh. And I was like, oh my god, this is her genetic Myersness coming out, right? She remembers <laughs> where she was raised, right? She's running amok. But yeah, like that that scene though. That scene is a a bit of a microcosm of what doesn't work for me because yeah. although Lori's adopted and we you know know that she's not of that family she should be built into the fabric of that family and this community yes. this is her she got the the new start that Michael gave her and that scene is a classic example of why did that make it through the edit because it's just it doesn't work for Lori it doesn't work for the Strodes it doesn't add anything of value. Unless you're Agreed. just like, there's not enough bagel sex prop comedy. <laughs> <Right>? Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> it's it's totally pointless. It doesn't it doesn't work. I think what right. does work better is the scene where Lori is with her her two best friends, and they're like having like teen girl talk. Yeah, you know, like talking about cheerleading and <laughs> talking about you know, oh, this I think this teacher was flirting with me. truer
0: it's updated right Because that's the thing i i didn't have yeah. a lot of like girl talk walking home from school but i know from sure. the women in my life that they're like yeah we don't just talk about like brushing our hair and dress like we talk the same as you yeah. we have the same thoughts as you right and movies always yeah. just show us as like oh we're damsels in distress which laurie strode in halloween one is a bit of that until the end when she starts a fighting little, back yeah. yeah right they definitely set her up as this you know she is uh a bit walking on sunshine right um so yeah stuff like that i mean that's the thing i think maybe when the young people are by themselves this kind of grittier rob zombie thing does play a little more right but then like here's another lori thing that was baffling i'm like they're just doing so many jokes about fucking in front of these two nine-year-olds like eight and nine-year-olds yeah like, I have kids that play at my house, right? My neighbors have kids, you know, similar to my age. And then they have an older son who's nine and our other neighbor's nine. So, like, I know kids that age, right? Nine to ten, eleven, whatever. The thought that I'd be like, hey, I'm going to go fuck my wife. Like, right in front of them. And that that's just a normal standard of no life. Way. It's – and that's what I mean. It's just so – like, I was befuddled. I was like, why? Why? Because yeah. that's – how can you look at the Myers family and graft like graft all of this humanity on these fucking human monsters, and then you just can't make normal people feel real, at all? <laughs> right? Just and feel it, normal. Yeah, and it, yeah. it it takes away a little bit that when the murders start, you're kind of just like, all right, all right, like I, I don't Do I don't feel that bonded, and I <laughs> guess that's kind of a bullshit argument a bit of a straw man i just presented to you because when you watch the original halloween did you feel really upset when annie got murdered like choked out in the car did you like no not truly right so that's a bit of a straw man argument but i do think i am surprised at how little he got out of that segment of the movie considering how fucking much he got out of the rest of the movie to me right yeah It, it was a little bit baffling all right so let's talk about our new Loomis, right? That's old Loomis. We don't okay. want old Loomis. We want New Loomis. Um, I I weirdly enough, I kind of like his turn in part two more because they hone in on what's new about him, right? But this movie does focus a little bit on new Loomis, right? I like the idea, like you said, of seeing him work with Michael. You get in because when we meet Donald Pleasance, he's just amazing at giving these like soliloquies, right? this yes. flowery poetic language on the nature of good and evil and you're like well he's been talking to a brick wall for 15 years so he has to do a lot of the heavy lifting right <laughs> uh this this loomis has this but this this halloween seemingly focuses in on the uh this is a man who whether he f- feels like a failure or not he's he's cashing in This is a cashing in Loomis a lot, right? And that's a lot of what they get to in part two. I don't know that it's as strong in this one. What did you make of uh, the direction of Dr. Loomis in this movie?
1: So I'm the opposite of you. I actually liked Loomis better in this first one than the second one. And we'll get to the second one when we get there. But I think what I kind of liked about him in, in this one is, you know, okay, first of all, I have to say it's, I mean, it's a great touch to have Malcolm McDowell mm-hmm. play the doctor in the movie about a psychopathic young killer.
0: <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah, right?
1: Given his <laughs> he gets the eye clamps orange. on Michael
0: Myers. <laughs> yes. Given
1: his clockwork orange history, yes. I think it's a beautiful touch to have Malcolm McDowell be in this story. And now he is playing the doctor who... Is maybe trying to help? Is maybe trying to really help his career more than he's yeah. trying to help the kid? There's some question. Well, he there definitely
0: about- just walks away and writes he the does. book, right? So there is a cashing right. in effect of this. The question is, do you see things throughout the movie that I, I get the because the, in the in the original Halloween to me. Loomis, it feels a little Ahab or Van Helsing, right? Like I have been warning you for years and they're like, dude, he sits there and doesn't talk and doesn't move. Like stop coming into the break room and screaming at us every day. You suck, right? Right? Like Loomis is a little bit of a hard to work with guy in the first one, (laughs) right? So there's a little Ahab, like I'm going after him. And when he's released, you get the sense that Loomis in part one, right? I didn't really think about it until we did this really deep dive for this month there is a bit of you that like, oh, Loomis is fucking stoked that Michael got out and killed all these motherfuckers because now he's been right. And Dr. Loomis, above all else, feels like a guy who perhaps looks down at the rest of us as lessers,
1: right? Right.
0: (laughs) And so this Loomis feels, he doesn't have that authoritative vibe of pleasance, right? So he does feel like he's kind of there and he's putting around. When he went to Haddonfield, on his mission to save these kids. Mm-hmm. I did wonder, is he there to save them from the big bad monster and fight evil, like Donald Pleasance was, or is he like, this is gonna make some good chapters. This is gonna make some, I'll get a new foreword on my book. <laughs> I couldn't tell. I like tell. That
1: it's a little, it's a little ambiguous and that's what I like about it. Yeah. Is that there's moments where, you know, he's like, when he's, uh, he's there at the cemetery with Sid Haig. Yeah. And, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, that book was a masterpiece. You know. Yeah, so he's like, he's just,
0: the fucking blood money. He's like, I heard it was a masterpiece. Where were we
1: going? <laughs> right. Like, you know, so there's these moments where his arrogance and his, you know, his. I don't want to say narcissism because I don't know if it goes quite that far. But, you know. I think that's a safe kind of assumption. Was, yeah. His where his self-absorption where like this is really about him this case is about him working the case yeah there's moments of that and then there's other moments you know when he when he shows up and he tries to help Lori there at the end
0: yes and when
1: he tries to reach out to michael it feels genuine yes but there's all these moments in between where it's ambiguous what is he really here for yeah. And maybe it's complicated. Maybe it's both things.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. It's a, it's a different version. Because Loomis is so fucking like, I will throw the harpoon. I will be dragged to the depths. It doesn't matter in part one. This guy, he does make the mode, but this is a man who we see in that final scene, right? The same way that Michael's mother is destroyed, right? Because she can't handle the the you know crushing of her reality. Loomis is very much that way. He comes in as the hotshot doctor to the school because he seemingly is like, I've been looking for a case like this. This is exactly what I want, right? And it feels almost like Michael's going to be his ticket. And then through the course of treatment, he begins to realize that his arrogance, I would say, right, that I will fix this kid. I will understand this mind. Something so primordial, Is happening in this person, right? Yes. That your little techniques of, oh, well, your mom, you saw your mom's boobs at school, so that's why you were sent off, right? Uh, His tricks are so inadequate to deal with the primordial evil in front of him that there has to be a bit of him that's like, my whole life is a fucking lie, right? When he sits there and watches that nurse nurse get murdered and then Michael doesn't talk to him for another 15 years. That has to somehow take the piss out of this, I'm a hotshot psychiatrist, blah, 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 right? And when he writes the yep. book, maybe this is him rebuilding in his flowery monologuing. Oh. I will show the world again how smart and insightful I am. I wonder though, in that last moment, right, it kind of, it had a vibe of like the, the snake churches, right? Where it's like, mm. I am holy, I'm so holy, the snakes can't kill me with venom. And then it's like, ow! It's like, oh, my belief wasn't as strong as I thought. <laughs> Cause he does, he goes in and he shoots Michael in the back and pulls her out of the pool and he keeps fighting, right? He has moments to run. He doesn't. So I did want, that felt, that felt unrealistic to me for this Loomis, right? There is a part of me that's like, I'll go get help. (laughs) Right? I'll be back. (laughs) Right. I'm going to go see if the neighbor's got a cell phone uh, for this Loomis. Uh, but yeah, like just standing there and trying to save Lori. That's the part I was like, is this just like, well, we can't have Loomis be such a prick. We got to bring it back. And then when he was Rob zombies writing the sequel, he's like, there's nothing there for Loomis. Like he is that much of a prick. Right. Right. So it was one of those moments. I was like, was this the man's last ditch effort to see if he could salvage the ruse that he's been living for this Mm. long? Or is this just a, we like it tested badly that (laughs) the dr loomis is the fucking (laughs) worst (laughs) so i don't i don't know what you made of loomis in this but yeah i thought shockingly low on my list of things that i would put at the top for this movie
1: Mm. yeah he wasn't at the top for me no but i i did i did like he you know he had his moments Right. Where it was kind of interesting and you're trying to figure out like, okay, what exactly is this guy's deal? Right. What does he really expect to get out of this?
0: And that's the thing. He's interesting. Always default Mm -hmm. to interesting for me. Right. Um, Let's talk a little bit about, I think the violence in this movie is hard. Right. And I think a great example of this is the Annie scene. That scene was almost too much for me, you know what I mean? And I watch mm. a lot of horror movies. I, I am outed. I do not really love torture porn. I don't know that I would call it that because that's a bit of a condescending label, right? That they're not doing anything except for being exploitative, right? There was a part of me, though, that's like, I watched that girl run away from Michael Myers as his niece in part four and part five. Uh. So to me, she is a young girl. Now watching her not only run away from Michael Myers, but she has to have her tits out. It's so long and so dragged out. It is. It was hard for me to get past that, and it really fucking bothered me. The Annie scene really fucking bothered me, right? That said... Do you think there's a method to that decision-making, right? Because the other girl who just had sex, and is, do you see anything you like? She gets her neck snapped and this and that, you know. We see Michael carrying a body, which is a strange thing that we haven't seen in a while. Yeah. Uh, him actually taking her to set her up, right? Um, What do you make of that Annie scene? Why have it be so long and drawn out? We already know that Michael's a killer. We already know that he's scary. Right. This is one of those weird horror movie things to me where it's like, I understand in horror movies, it's kind of something we all say. It's an unacknowledged truism. We all like more breasts in our horror movies for the most part. Sure. This gets back to where I was just like, these are not fun boobs. I only want fun boobs in my movies, right? Like this adds, Uh, these are where boobs add sadness to me. It makes me, I want to like jump through the screen and cover up and be like, Michael, no. No. No, it. like it really, Yeah. my question to you, do you think there was a method to that, that bit of madness?
1: I, if there is, I don't see it. I kind of agree with you. It goes on a little long and it's again, like I'm, I'm going to be real. I'm pretty desensitized. To yeah, right. violence. Yeah. I have a, a very high threshold. Um, but it it did it did feel like okay well we just killed one topless girl um in the other that i would put
0: in the category of those were still fun boobs right that's within bounds yeah
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. by the time we get to annie yeah they're i mean they're they're boobs of tragedy
0: tragedy boobs no one wants the tragedy (laughs) boobs yeah but i wonder because i wondered in my mind i was like is this only because this is little jamie this is little Maybe. Jamie Strode, right? Like, I don't want to see little Jamie like this. Or would it have been the same if it was another actor? Because I think all the kills are so fucking brutal. But when Michael's sister gets stabbed a bunch in the opening of the movie and is rushing through the halls, I didn't really feel bad about that. This one really got me. I wondered if in a bit it was Rob Zombie rubbing our nose in it. You know what I mean? In a way, he's making us somewhat complicit, and he's like, this is what you paid to see. You keep coming to see Michael Myers murder. It's not always a quick kill. He is a sick fuck, right? And so we are spending a little extra time. Again, that orca seal thing. You Mm -hmm. will sit and watch the true scarring whore of one of these events. This isn't a, I will leap out and choke you for 30 seconds and then, you know, go to my next hiding spot. So I wondered if it was that or, It it walks that line for me. I could have done with less of that (laughs) if it were me personally.
1: Right.
0: In part two, I think it does add a lot of interestingness for part two. But uh, all right. So we got a couple more things to discuss before we get out of here. Um, Honorable mention Joe Grizzly. Awesome. Awesome scene. Great way to get the weird way. Like how long did he watch until there was just another seven foot tall trucker? uh yeah. you know weird file, i'm sure joe joe grizzly stands up to fight without wiping maybe don't take his suit after that i'm not sure <laughs> right so there so joe grizzly honorable mention uh yes ronnie rest in peace ronnie unmitigated filth as a man ronnie also got into that just bothered me right because I, I talked about this on twitter we get a lot of those what are your least favorite and most annoying characters in horror movies and for me, it's always Franklin from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And then I watched this movie. I was like, Ronnie's worse. Ronnie's the worst, right? When he yeah, talks about gorgeous. to her mom how nice of an ass her daughter has. That was it for me. I was like, you've everything about him is bad, but that one particularly – gets into such creepy, disgusting territory. And again, yes. it kind of eats at this core of Michael's and his mom's seemingly nice relationship that she would hear that out loud and let this happen. Yeah. Uh yeah, what did you think of Ronnie? Big fan?
1: Oh, he's awful. He's awful <laughs> <laughs> And again, like this is what this movie does. It's so interesting is like like I'm not sorry to see Ronnie go.
0: No, that might be the most, like, this guy has to die. There are characters in horror movies that you see, and you're immediately like, (laughs) I will be excited when they get theirs. Ronnie is number one.
1: (laughs) Like, I know it's it's wrong, and I know that killing Ronnie is just a stepping stone in the way to ending up killing Annie.
0: Yep. Ronnie's more wreckage left by this town and this system.
1: (laughs) Right, but Ronnie is awful. I mean, he ticks all the boxes homophobia he
0: is well he got at he, a
1: crying baby he
0: literally smacks all the dishes towards a kid who's locked in a baby chair right yes <laughs> unbelievable you
1: know making unwanted sexual advances at your girlfriend's daughter teenage daughter
0: teenage daughter mentioned Redding. having an affair to the girlfriend uh, who's paying all of his bills yeah. <laughs> yeah, threatening he's...
1: violence, threatening to hit your girlfriend, like everything, everything about this dude it's screams so
0: yeah. garbage. There's a part of you that's like, if for one time I could Pleasantville my way into a movie and do the stabbing, Ronnie would be high on my list, right? <laughs> like, I'd probably take part in I'd help him yeah. saran wrap him at least, right? I might get out of there before <laughs> I got blood on my clothes, but, you know, I would help him saran wrap. The crazy thing is, is that it feels like not more than moments later we meet another of the scummiest fucking characters in a horror. I think his name's Dwayne, right, Dwayne, uh, the security uh, guard who is it's, excited it's, to get the job so that he can just do rapes and beat up. Yeah. These uh, these uh, what are they called in that? They're not. Pr- is that a prisoner hospital or are these patients? It's Both? a
1: prisoner hospital. Okay.
0: Yeah, I don't know what the lingo is, but he wants to beat them up. He wants to establish dominance over these people uh, because he probably doesn't find a lot of that in life.
1: Dude, he's awful. I think his last (laughs) name was Klugs. Yeah. Even the name is just like, that tells you something. don't like. He's racist to begin with he's talking to Danny Trejo's character and he's like talking about your people and their bungalows like, oh my God. So already strike one, you were racist towards Danny Trejo, like.
0: Yeah, well, Rob Zombie knows. He's like, I gotta give these something, right? It was an old rule when I was a writer on Thousand Ways to Die, right? It's like, you can't kill the nice mom who just worked hard Cleaned the right. house all day, you know, went to the grocery store right. and bought salads and then is picking her kids up from soccer practice with a smile on her face and a sundress. You can't have that lady get run over by a semi truck because people don't like that. It makes them feel bad. And yeah, Rob Zombie took that to its most logical conclusion, which is I will make the most trash people of all time. And like, mm-hmm. Except for Joe Grizzly. R.I.P. Joe Grizzly. He didn't do anything wrong. He was yeah. pretty nice to all the. He did it. Yeah. He seemed like a fun guy. I would have hung out with Joe Grizzly. All right, jumping back now that we've done our honorable and despicable mentions. (laughs) This movie has one of the biggest missed opportunities of any horror movie I've ever watched. When Lori wakes up and she's in the basement, Mm -hmm. the scene that Michael staged, right? Her friend is dead. She's holding it. It's an emotional scene, right? The tombstone is down there. Michael comes up to her and he shows her the picture. I don't know. I don't know. And he's kind of pointing, right? He takes the mask off. This is the moment where Michael is willingly entering the human realm again, right? He's looking for a bond. He doesn't say anything, right? Why did Michael Myers not say boo? It works so well as one, that's your name, or two, I'm trying to scare you. I was like, say boo.
1: I know. Well, you know, I was I was reading it, I think I saw it on Wikipedia. That there was, I don't know if they actually filmed it or if it was at one point in the script and then they took it out, but I think that there, I think I read that there was like that was going to be part of the movie and then it it wasn't. felt
0: so set up that when it didn't happen, I literally was like, what the fuck? I was yelling at my TV. And again, you don't (laughs) want Michael doing like a monologue. No, no, no. But I was like him gruffly saying one word. Would have been a sledgehammer, a fucking... Like when Caesar in Planet of the Apes is, no. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, fuck. (laughs) These gorillas can talk. (laughs) These chimpanzees, whatever Caesar is. I should know better. I read my kid animal books every day. But I was like, that one word, that one word he says, because he's saying it as a human moment. I want to reach out to you. You are the one I love. I still have a family. We can have family again. And she takes it as a a mockery and stabs him, right? I was like, that one word would have had depths, man. That would have had layers. I wanted that word. Um, Walk me through your thoughts as you saw Lori pull the fucking trigger. Do the thing we want Final Girls to always fucking do. Walk me through your thoughts on that moment.
1: I'll tell you what. I loved it.
0: Loved it. I'll I tell you too, it. that and shaky then, camera when she's, ah, it's just I loved it. brutal.
1: Scout Taylor Compton yes. did such a tremendous job. So I agree with you about this whole end sequence that, you know, kind of this whole second half that, yeah, you know, borrows, but her performance is so good. Yeah. And in that moment when she like, I love that she's bloody and she's beat up and she's just come through. And fallen out of this fucking window. And like she's, she's going to make it stop. Yeah. She doesn't even know everything. She doesn't even know that her parents are dead yet. Yeah. She doesn't know the familial connection. Mm Mm-hmm. But she has this opportunity to make it stop. And you can tell that she's just like, she's squinting. You can tell she's probably never fired a handgun in her life. Oh, yeah. And she's she's pulling the trigger and she's squeezing the trigger and when it finally does go off the crying like this is a this is a young girl yes. who is not a killer
0: yes well she's that's what i like affected. too imagine every one of those clicks What's not the shot the emotion building up right the crescendo effect and when that shot happens she shoots him in the fucking face which I think yeah. only Gail Weathers did in Scream, right? <laughs> Which is kind of yeah. the meta, like, we'll go, we'll make a joke out of them not doing it, right? Right. Where you're always like, don't leave, don't walk away. Don't be like, oh, I did it. We'll wait for the. G-. She just crawls up on him after all this fighting, instead of running, I will end this motherfucker right here. And when she finally hears the bang, the volcanic eruption, that primal scream, I fucking love that moment, man. And that's what I mean, though. I love that moment. I loved the fact seeing Michael stage this dead body for his sister, thinking that that's something they could bond over, that this is some kind of art piece about the fate of their family and mom. And then that, because that's why I was like in my head. I'm like, what is Michael thinking in that moment? What is the best laid plan of Michael Myers, right? Of Mice and Michael Myers. In that moment, yeah. what does he think? Like, what does he want? Does she hug? Does she like, come on, brother? And they go trick-or-treating? Like, what is his best case yeah. scenario? And it's it's such a cool ad, right? And again, we do a lot of stabbing walls and punching doors and things that... Yes. It's typical third act shit that doesn't really do much for a lot of us at that point. But I think that's, that's the trick of this movie, right? is if you can make it through some of the more abrasive and caustic elements of this film, I think it is easily one of the most interesting, insightful, uh, and you know just fascinating entries in the Halloween series. We've already seen all the kills. And this movie just says, we'll make him bigger and badder, right? Yeah. So you get that. We also make him a human again. He's not some supernatural druid Jason Voorhees. He's a human who wants his sister back, who maybe just got pushed too far. I think there's so much of that extra depth that this one is just, it's really, it's weird because it's still hard to sit through for me. After all these times I've watched it, there's still scenes like sitting with Ronnie at breakfast. I almost always turn the Mm -hmm. movie off there or I'm like, I'll just skip past this. But if you can get past that, there is so much awesome love letter to the Halloween series and what John Carpenter did. And I don't think this movie takes away from the the canon or the lore of Halloween at all. No. None.
1: It couldn't. There's no way that it could.
0: That's true. That's true. Yeah. And that's the thing. Why keep making them if you're not going to try something different? I've never understood that. It's like I always tell people Highlander 2 is my favorite sequel. And Highlander 2 is a pretty universally hated movie. And I was like, did you really just want to watch Connor McCloud's sword fight in modern-day New York again? Again? No, get that. weird he with it. That. Yeah, we did that. We fucking did. And this one has a lot of that. Fans. But that's what I'm saying. Cut that shit out. Just give me the new stuff. Give me the new looks. <laughs> and I think this is a streamlined beast, man. Uh, yeah, so overall, though... Yay or nay on Rob Zombie's vision of Halloween?
1: I'm going to say this very clearly for the back row. Yay.
0: Yay. Yeah. I honestly, I fucking love what he did. And I still, to this day, I would have liked to have done one more. It obviously, once we start watching part two, feels like that was not probably going to happen. I think they were not going to do a Halloween three again with Rob Zombie at the helm. But I would have loved it. I I like where his head's at in this world, right? And I think, yeah, like I said, you just get past that the little rough edges. There's a there's a beautiful yeah. bloody oasis in there. All right, guys, that's it for Rob Zombies Halloween. Carmelita will be back joining us again tomorrow okay. while we discuss. I think it's actually H two Halloween. It's like got a weird yeah. title, right? Essentially, yeah. Rob Zombies Halloween two. So that's what we'll be discussing tomorrow. Uh, We will be riding our white stallions into battle with whatever's happening in that movie. I think, again, I think other than Resurrection, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 is the least appropriately appreciated Halloween movie. So thanks again, Carmelita, for actually volunteering (laughs) to do this with me. Uh, And we will see you again tomorrow for Halloween 2.
1: Yay! I'm looking forward to it.
0: Hell yeah. As always, rate, review wherever you find the pod. Email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Find us on your socials. Watch and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Nerd Alchemist. Bye. Bye.